The fifth commandment of the law reads, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And a brief exposition of that commandment we have in Lord's Day 39. Uh, what doth God require in the fifth commandment? Uh, that I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother and all in authority over me and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. This, beloved, introduces the second table of the Lord, our God, of the law. And As always, we must be careful uh, that we do not look upon the law as an external code which we must fulfill or obey, as a certain law in the state, uh, but as the perfect law of liberty, a rule and guide for the principle of the law that is written in our hearts. And so, especially when we approach the second table of the law, we must be doubly careful lest we fall into the error that, after all, we consider the law an outward rule for the life of the Christian, but for all in the world. That would be a fundamental mistake. We do not preach to the world and we do not preach the law to the world but we preach to the church and to the church only. Only the church is regenerated. Only the church is converted. Only the church has the law written in their hearts. Only the church, therefore, can walk in the law of perfect liberty. And only the church can hear that law. 
but it is so easy, especially when we approach that second table of the Lord, to forget this. Is it not true that even children in the home of the ungodly world can obey their parents? Is it not true that even the ungodly can refrain from killing the neighbor and even to seek his advantage? Is it not true that even the ungodly world can be chased and not walk in ways of adultery? Is it not true that even the ungodly world can refrain from stealing and be honest in a measure at least as well as the child of God in the world? Is it not true that as far as bearing false testimony is concerned, and many people in the world, ungodly and natural men, put to shame Many in the church of Jesus Christ, that gospel slander, and left. Surely, that is certainly true. And therefore, uh, we ought to look at the law, not from that point of view, and not from the point of view of a certain common grace, so-called, and civic righteousness, but from the very specific point of view that the second table of the Lord is likened to the first. That the first is based upon the principle of the love of God. And that the second is certainly is based upon the principle of the love of the neighbor, uh, but as connected with the love of God. So that we must love the neighbor for God's sake. That's the law. We must not merely love the neighbor, but we must love him for God's sake. The love of God is the principle of the love of the neighbor. And without the love of God, there can be no love of the neighbor. He that hates God, hates his neighbor too. That you must remember. This uh, commandment, the fifth commandment, is basic for the rest of the second table of the Lord, of the law. That's the reason. Uh, for, in the first place, 
Uh, the second, uh, the first commandment of the second table, the fifth commandment, deals with the principle of authority. Authority and obedience. And in the second place, the fifth commandment deals with the basic unit of all human life in the world, the home. Without the home, there would be no human life. The home, not the individual, the family, not the aphoristically existing man, is the basis of all society, of all the state, and I dare say, even from a natural point of view, a church that runs in the line of generation. It is on this principle that we must speak this morning. We might say that this commandment deals with the love of the neighbor for God's sake in his position. While, for instance, the second commandment of the second table, thou shalt not kill, deals with the love of the neighbor for God's sake in his life. And while the third commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, I mean the third commandment of the second table, it deals with the love of God and with the love of the neighbor for his sake, in regard to the neighbor's life of matrimony. The fourth, in regard to the life of the neighbor in regard to his possessions. And the fifth, the life of the neighbor in regard to his name. And that is undoubtedly the order of the second table of the law of God. Nevertheless, we will change our subject. And in this morning, speak to you on the important subject of authority and obedience. And first of all, define the meaning of authority and obedience. And secondly, speak of the spheres, the different spheres in which uh, this authority and obedience are exercised, and finally of the promise 
connected with the observance of this commandment. You shall live long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Beloved, authority is something that is probably very little known in our day. I mean in general. Maybe among us too. I do not know. When you consider some manifestation of home life, you wonder sometimes whether even among us uh, the beauty of the reality of authority and a connection with it of obedience is not gradually being lost. What is authority? Authority, beloved, is the judicial power and the right to impose one's will upon the will of another. The right of one man to impose his will upon another man. Right. And not merely the brute power. Might is not right. The exercise of brute power to lord it over someone and lord him into submission is tyranny. That is not authority. Authority is spiritual, deeply spiritual. Authority is the right to lord it over someone, the right. The power in that sense of the word, the judicial power, is the right to demand submission of one's will to the will of him that exercises authority and it is the right to demand of that someone obedience. That is authority. Only we must remember, always remember throughout this discussion, uh, that we speak of authority in the spiritual sense of the word according to the law of perfect liberty. All the rest is no good. I mean, a real and true authority is 
is to exercise lordship over someone else or over others. For God's sake, not for his own sake. That's also tyranny. In God's name, not in his own name. According to God's will and his law. And not according to his own will and law. That's also tyranny. And therefore, authority is the lordship over someone else, the exercise of the powers of his will, the right to exercise the power of his will over others, in the name of God, for his sake, and motivated by the love of God. That's authority. Nothing else is authority in the sense in which... uh, the scriptures speak of it, and our confessions speak of it, and in which also the Arabic Catechism here means authority. Obedience is, of course, the corollary of this authority. It is uh, the counterpart of authority. Obedience is a great virtue. Uh, Just as the exercise of authority is a great virtue, of course. Uh, So, obedience, true, believing, Christian obedience, is one of the most fundamental and precious virtues and graces of the Christian. Obedience is the submission, the willing submission, the submission of one's will to the will of him that exercises authority in the name of God upon him. It is the willing execution of the commands of him that exercises authority. The performance of what he commands. And also here you must remember uh, that obedience is to be motivated by the love of God. We speak of the law of perfect liberty. Any obedience that is not rooted in, that is not motivated by the love of God, though it may appear as perfect and more perfect perhaps than the obedience of the child of God, is not obedience. (laughs) It is not... uh, A submission to 
the authority of someone, say, for instance, a slave is fear. Any, any fear. A child must not obey his father and his mother for fear of punishment. And I may add, uh, the parent must be careful that it does not strike fear, that slavish fear, into the hearts of his children. It must not provoke his children to wrath. Uh, a servant uh, must not uh, be obedient to his master for fear of losing his job. Not at all. Nothing to do with it. For gain, for money, for advancement of, in position. All that has nothing to do with obedience. Obedience must be free. Free. Perfectly free. Obedience cannot be bound. Cannot be bound. Not even if you put any man in prison. Not even if you put him to death. Obedience cannot be bound. It's free. It's the highest freedom. Obedience is. The highest freedom. A servant must not serve his master to flatter him or anyone. Anyone in subjection must not serve anyone else that is a superior in authority. Uh, to, as they say in uh, everyday talk, to polish the apple. That's abominable. That's abominable. You must be free. Free. Free in Christ. An elder must not rule over the congregation and the congregation must not submit to the elder because of flattery or anything else. A preacher must not serve his congregation and look at them to ask what they want. That's wrong. And moreover, that's fatal. That's fatal for the preacher and that's fatal for the church. The love of God and the love of God's truth must motivate the preacher and must motivate the congregation in submission to the preacher. 
Nothing else. And so on and so forth. Obedience is highest freedom. Freedom in relation to the neighbor before God. And that's authority and obedience, beloved. I do not have to emphasize that uh, this authority is not a man. The basis of authority can never be in man, nor in a group of men, nor in the majority. All authority is only in God. God is the only one that has authority. And only where he points out positions of authority, where he points out men in those positions, in whatever way that may happen, that makes no difference, where God points out positions of authority according to his word, and where he points out the men for those positions, there is authority among men. Only, we must remember one more thing. In the new dispensation, that means that all authority proceeds from God to Christ and from Christ to men. That's the case in the new dispensation. All authority is of Christ, immediately of Christ. All authority, Christ says, all authority, power, but the idea is authority, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. You may distinguish that authority, but all the authority comes from God, bestowed on Christ, and Christ exercised that authority through men. That's even the case in the wicked world. A man like Hitler and a man like Stalin and a man, uh, what is his name now, I can't think of that big head that's at the head of the Soviet government today, never mind. But he is responsible to Christ, whether he knows it or not. Yes, Christ rules. And we, as a church, should never acknowledge any other authority than the authority of Christ through his word. Not really. Of course, a man, a wicked man, uh, may very well be put in authority and when a man is put in a position of authority by Christ in the world, he's appointed by Christ, no question about that. He doesn't serve Christ. 
is against him, but Christ puts him there, nevertheless. And we, as people of God, ought to respect that wicked man for Christ's sake. Not that wicked man, but the man in his authority. Not, of course, in the sense that we do that which he commands, if it's wicked, but certainly in the sense that we willingly, for Christ's sake, submit ourselves to his punishment, even unto death is necessary. For Christ's sake. A perfect freedom. The master. If I were in the Soviet government, oh, not I, but you and I, all, all people of God, that's what they should do. They should, should refuse uh, to obey anything contrary to the word of God, but they should nevertheless respect that man, and you may pity him too, pity him too, nothing to envy about that position, because he has to give account to Christ pretty soon. Although you cannot obey his wicked command, you willingly, for Christ's sake, submit himself, submit yourself, to his punishment. Sir. That's freedom. That's freedom. Even if you put into jail. Even if you bear the punishment. For Christ's sake. You're free. A man at the stake. In former years. And today again if necessary. Suffering for Christ's sake. Sang psalms and hymns of praise to God in the flames. That's freedom. That's obedience. That's freedom. A Christian must be free. And therefore... Whether he is in a position of authority, he must do that for God's sake. When he, whether he is in a position of submission, he must do it also for God's sake, for Christ's sake. Acknowledge no one other than Christ. That's freedom. And therefore, beloved, it isn't so that uh, a man has authority in himself, and not because he is probably superior in knowledge or superior in power or superior in wisdom. It's very well, it's very nice that authority also is accompanied by knowledge and wisdom. That's very nice. It's not very good when a fool is a prince. When a fool is in government, that's not very good. But nevertheless, even a fool in government has the same authority as a wise man. Authority comes from God. Even though, even though in a democracy, it is the majority that is used as a means to point out who shall be in that position. The authority. Once a man stands in that position, it's not from the people, but it's from God. 
and to God he has to give account. That's the truth. Now, the diff different spheres of that authority, different spheres. There are different spheres of authority and obedience. The fundamental, the basic, the most simple sphere is, of course, the whole, the family. The family is the basic unit, as I said. A man and a woman. One man and one woman were created by the Lord God. And from that one man and that one woman, the entire human race developed. And developed in all its different spheres. From the home came the broader family. From the broader family came the tribe. From the tribe came the nation. And from the nation, the nations, at the confusion of tongues, when God by force separated the trunk of the human tree into all its different branches. And, and therefore, in from that home develop all the different spheres and positions to which God had attached authority. But the authority is not in those positions as such, uh, but is always from God. God literally, God literally by his word has pointed out spheres of authority, different spheres of authority. That is true, of course, in the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother. Honor. That is, respect the position of authority of your father and of the mother. That's addressed to the children. Addressed to the children, but of course, it's no less addressed to the parent. This commandment is directly addressed to the children. Understand? You, children, that sit here in church, and listen to me, or should listen to me anyway, you children are addressed in this 
fifth commandment and enjoined not to love but to honor your father and your mother. That is, to respect the position of authority of your father and your mother in the home. That's what you must do. You must do, and you love to do, for Christ's sake. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, in Christ. Not otherwise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. But also for other spheres, God has certainly designated directly positions of authority. Think, for instance, of uh, Romans uh, 13, the well-known chapter that speaks of the powers that be. Uh, that whole first part of the chapter. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power. That is the magistrates, all kinds of magistrates. From the policeman, from the policeman on the street to the president of the White House, there are all kinds of spheres of uh, authority. And you must obey. You must uh, take your hand off for a policeman on the street. Not literally, but as far as the end, uh, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, you must love that policeman. For Christ's sake, you must not run red lights. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, you must not go speeding. For Christ's sake. That's obedience. That's recognition of authority. But fundamentally, beloved, fundamentally, this commandment is addressed to the children, to you, children, in relation to your parents. Oh, that's beautiful that God has connected the exercise of authority and the rendering of obedience to the home. That's very beautiful. Beautiful because in the home there is the sphere of natural love, blood love, blood relation. The natural tie of love is strongest in the home and is strongest between parents and children. And in the second place, because, oh, it's a long, long time that the children are dependent upon the parents. And they have a long time to learn obedience. You know, a chicken breaks the egg and struts around conceitedly and picks his own feed. 
But a babe is wrapped in swaddling clothes and is perfectly helpless. That beautiful. Hence, the calling of the parents in regard to the children is very plain, beloved. Very plain. Even, even if there should not be the specific commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, which means, of course, so, so reign over your children that your children honor you as father, mother, as father and mother, not only father, also mother. The relation between husband and wife is also one of authority. The wife is in subjection to her husband. For Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, uh, don't uh, stick up your head and say, hmm, you don't understand it, beloved. You don't understand it. You don't understand your position as wife in the home in relation to your husband if you despise that authority. You don't understand a bit of it. Uh, nothing insulting. Uh, that's perfect freedom. For Christ's sake. You obey your husband for Christ's sake. And your husband has authority over you. Not as a term, but for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. She serve the Lord Christ. But in relation to the children, father and mother both are in position of authority. They must remember that too. Remember that. You know, You mothers must not say to the children, wait till your daddy comes home. That's not right. The children must have punishment, do it yourself. When you say to the children, wait till your daddy comes home, that means that you surrender your authority to daddy, which is your own. Never do that. Punish him yourself. Father and mother. Father and mother. On equal basis. In relation to their children. Not in relation to each other. But in relation to the children, they are on equal basis. Father and mother. Honor your father and your mother. And, beloved, the calling of the parents is expressed in this Lord's Day of the Harbour Catechism. Oh, you could talk on this long time. That's rather practical. And, you know, uh, this, uh, this uh, relation in the home is noticeable in the children. Wherever they come, you can depend on it when a boy or girl is rambunctious and disobedient in school or anywhere else in catechism, the trouble is in the home. That's all. It's in the home. 
No question about it. Uh, that is almost infallible, beloved. Almost infallible. When a child has no respect for a policeman on the street, has no respect for a teacher in the class, has no respect for a minister in the catechism class, the trouble is in the home. The parents either are careless or have no sense of bringing up their children. That's all. Infallibly, that's the case. I dare say that's infallibly the case. When I used to have children in catechism, used to have the children of congregation in catechism, I could pick them out. I could pick them out. Because they wouldn't let uh, get it over me, that's something else. But they tried to. But a child that has learned obedience in the home doesn't try that even. No matter who teaches catechism, he's obedient. Obedient, for Christ's sake. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, obey your teachers in the class. Children, obey your ministers in catechism. Children, obey the policeman on the street. Children, obey authority, whatever it is exercised upon you. That is rooted in the home. And of course, the rest of the spheres are well known. Uh, besides, of course, the catechism tells us uh, that uh, uh, the parents must not only teach the children obedience, they must teach them obedience, yes, obedience. I was in a home not very long ago where a child uh, was playing on the floor and his uh, mother and his father was there too, but his mother said to him, uh, so and so, pick, pick up your toys, pick up, pick them up. The child simply went on without paying any attention. Uh, a few minutes later, the mother saw that and insisted, pick, pick up those toys. The child didn't pay any attention. A few minutes afterwards, the mother said that again. She saw that again and she said, pick up your toy. Child didn't do it, because You know, when that child heard that word of the parent the first time, it should have obeyed. That's all. Never repeat. Never repeat. I never repeated for my children when I was at home. I never repeated. Never did. Don't do that. That's fatal. When you say something to the to your children, they must do it immediately. And don't let them ask why. That's not the question. Uh, you tell them, uh, you do that because I say so. That's authority. Not reason. Not asking the reason why. That's not authority. No, no. The child must obey for Christ's sake, his father and his mother. 
and so learn obedience in every other sphere. Well, I must quit. Let me, of course, that's the sphere in the state. That's also the sphere in the church. That's different, the spiritual sphere. But nevertheless, there's also authority in the church. Authority of the ministers, authority of the elders, authority of the deacons, authority of the consistory. And you must, you must submit. Even to discipline is necessary. That's, uh, that's obedient. There's the authority in the state. There's the authority in society. There's the authority in relation of master and servant and of servant and master. There's the authority of, rela- of the relation of teacher and pupil. All different spheres of authority. And the principle is always exercise authority for Christ's sake and obey for Christ's sake. That's the law. That's, that's the law of perfect liberty. And the promise is this. I'll be brief on that, but uh, the promise is this, uh, that your days may belong in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Usually that is interpreted as meaning uh, that if we obey the parents and exercise authority properly, uh, the parents uh, and the children shall live long in this earthly life. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's the case. Even the explanation of the Apostle Paul, which, uh, that you may live long on the earth, in the first place, uh, that word earth in the Greek had better be translated land. But in the second place, doesn't make any difference anyway. Uh, the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee in the old dispensation was Canaan, to be sure. That was the land which the Lord gave to his people. And that land which the Lord gave to his people certainly was a type, as we well know, of the rest that cometh to the people of God. Of that rest, the land of Canaan is typical. And the realization of that rest, the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee is not America. The Lord does not give that land to his people, not America. But the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee is the new earth. The new earth. The new earth and the new heavens. The new creation. Eternal life. And uh, that this promise, this promise that God will give eternal life, that you will live long forever in the new earth, that that promise is connected with the fifth commandment is not to be wondered at. Because of the very fact that the fifth commandment deals with authority and obedience. 
And obedience is always obedience to Christ. And through Christ to God. And therefore, this commandment, this promise is not only for this fifth commandment. The apostle says, uh, that's the first commandment with the promise. That's not quite true, beloved. That is, not if, not if you take it as a separate promise. There was also promise with the second commandment. That God will show mercy unto thousands that keep his commandments. That was also promised. But this promise is connected with that promise. The apostle means to say, in the fifth commandment is the promise. The promise of eternal glory. That's the promise. And that is connected with the fifth commandment is due to the fact that the fifth commandment deals with the fundamental question of authority and obedience. And therefore, obedience to parents, obedience to Christ, obedience to his precepts, obedience to his gospel, and therefore the promise of eternal life. Blessed, blessed is that church Blessed is that people that obeys this fifth commandment in all its implications. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Amen. We thank thee, Lord, for thy mercy. Forgive our sins. Bless us in the rest of this day. Strengthen us and instruct us and teach us to keep this Sabbath day spiritually. For Jesus' sake, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit abide with you. Amen.